I'm just going to go straight into it. Can we please all go to Matthew chapter 14? I'll, talk, I'll tell you what I'm talking about in a second. I just want to go to this story for a moment. I want to talk about the story where, you know, Peter was walking on water with Jesus. Most of us have heard this story, so Matthew 14. And uh, I'm not going to read right from verse 22. I'm just going to just going to give a little backstory, and I'm I'm going to start from verse 28. So, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and go across to the other side of the lake, and you know they start doing that. Jesus goes up on the mountain top to pray, and his disciples are you know they're going across, and then a, a, a really savage storm just decides to hit the lake, and uh, and they're you know. They're getting taken in a, a particular direction and things are pretty crazy. And, um, you know, w- when you actually go into the story, it's like, wow, these guys are really starting to stress out. Like they're thinking they're probably going to die and they don't exactly know where they are. You know, they've been blown off course and things are pretty windy and pretty dark and waves are starting to come over the boat and, and stuff like this. And then, and then Jesus is walking on the water of all the things you could just decide to do. On, uh, during the nighttime or in a storm, you know, you're just walking on water. He's walking on water and he comes along and the disciples start freaking out. You know, and they're like, yeah, what, is this a ghost? Is this, what is this? What's going on? Someone's walking on water. We haven't really seen this before. This is a very good magic trick, you know. And, uh, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me, guys. You know, chill out. And, so, and Peter does the most amazing thing. And, uh, you know, he does something that none of the other disciples do. And so starting at verse 28... And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Sorry, I just think that's really amazing. Um, He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Something I want to talk about today, because it's sort of always been a really big thing in my mind, you know? And it, it, it's like this one question, just how do I love Jesus? Like... I've grown up in church my entire life. I've, you know, not just in this church, I've, I've, I've spent time in other churches too. I've sat under amazing guest speakers. I've served in ministries. I've experienced amazing worship. I've had profound conversations and experiences with God, you know, where the Holy Spirit just hits you and, and Jesus does something in you and you're like, whoa! And then, you know, and we kind of got this thing whenever Jesus hits us with one of those revelations where we're writing something down, we've just got to get up out of their chair and go, this is really good stuff. And then you can't get back to it for another couple of minutes because you're just pacing around the table in circles. And, you know, like all of this stuff has happened. And yet it still comes up in my mind, how do I love Jesus? You know, my entire life. I've kind of asked this question. And sometimes I think I understand it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think I'm doing it. And then I'll say, do I really? You know? And then you question yourself. Like, does anyone sort of relate to what I'm saying? You know? How do I love Jesus? What does it actually look like? What do I do? Am I doing it right? You know? Why don't I feel it? Oh, gosh. 
And uh, something about me, if, if you haven't noticed, um, <laughs> I get distracted easily. I, um, just a bit of an example. Remember when Russia first started to invade Ukraine? I, that intrigued me so much. So I decided to read about it on the news. Every day. I downloaded a Bible app. No, not a Bible app. I, I have downloaded a Bible app. I have a Bible app on my phone, but that's not important to this story. I downloaded an app, you know, BBC News. And it's like, what sort of news do you want? And I'm like, okay, I want news about, you know, Russia and Ukraine. Okay, so Europe. So now I get to hear about everything in Europe. Hmm. Middle East. South America. North America. Asia Pacific. Africa. I can read all of this. And so for the next three years, I was reading the news three times a day. So my smoker break, my lunch break, after work, and I was figuring out what was going on in every corner of the world. You know, and not just on BBC. I was reading Al Jazeera. I was reading Christian news. I was reading all sorts of things. I was news crazy. I could, I could tell you what was going on, you know, not just on every continent, but in like f more than 15 countries every single day. I could tell you what was going on or what were some prominent issues, whatever the news decided to tell you. I knew the relationships between every terrorist group from Iraq right through to Sudan and how they all responded to each other and what they all thought of each other. Like, that took a bit of research. All because Russia invaded Ukraine. So for three years, I'm reading, and it got very depressing, I'm reading who's, just, who's dying, who's getting invaded, what village got slaughtered today. I feel louder now. This is all I'm reading every single day. And you know, and you guys used to sit there and maybe try and talk to me during my lunch breaks and stuff. And I'm just, yep. And, <laughs> and I'm reading the news, you know. And eventually, it got to me so much that I could not touch the news for about two years, and and I couldn't tell you what was going on at all. Oh, someone got elected president. Oh, who was that? You know, like I get distracted really, really easily. I have a very addictive personality, and um, something that. It's like an addiction that I fight, and it's about achieving results. I love to work and get results in things, whether it be watching a breakthrough happen in someone's life or getting a program right or, you know, like, like all kinds of things. I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Like, my dad was an artist, so everything's got to be perfect, and that's sort of rubbed off on me, rubbed off on me, and now I try to get everything perfect. Being a perfectionist isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you can take it down a bad road. I tend to take it down a bad road sometimes. You know, that's, that's sort of what I struggle with. I, I want to do things all the time. I, you know, I think evangelists also just have trouble sitting still. They've always got to be doing something. And it's like, no, come on, why are we sitting down right now? You know, someone needs to hear the gospel. Would you like to hear the gospel? No, okay, I'll tell it to you, you know. And... It's like I've always got to be on the move. Um, but it's a huge problem, you know, if, if it's not centered in Christ. And I begin to get very worn out, and I'm like, how do I stop this? Oh, everyone tells me I should rest. Oh, that's some good advice. I'll rest when I get everything done. But nothing ever gets really accomplished. You just keep going and keep going and keep going because more things keep popping up, and it never really ends. It's a, it's a discipline that sometimes I find that I master and then it comes undone because I get confident 
in, oh, yes, I've got this now. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, I don't, you know. So it's something I've always got to um, stick on top of. And so quite often in my life, I've felt very overwhelmed. And it was a, it was a lesson that I learned in particular at the start of the year, you know, okay, don't overwork because you've just destroyed yourself really. And I'm like, okay, I need to learn to rest. I need to learn to rest. And then I'm resting and then it slowly starts to creep in again. And it's like, I'm going back and forth a lot. How do I just solve this once and for all? You know, because it is a huge problem. And if I don't deal with it, I'm going to be fighting it on and off for the rest of my life. And and in a part, I might also, because there, are, there's always things that try and take your eyes off Jesus. It could be something very destructive. If, if it looks like it presents a greater love than Jesus' love has to offer, and if you're convinced of that, then you're going to take your eyes off Jesus, and very quickly you're going to find yourself worn out. And sometimes work looks very attractive to me. And before I realize it, I've taken my eyes off Jesus for a few weeks and then all of a sudden I'm worn out and I think, what the hell's just happened? Like, do you hear what I'm saying? Everyone's felt this. Okay, so let's, let, let's go to verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And I always thought that was the dumbest thing to say. Because if I was walking on the water and I wasn't Jesus, I was a ghost. Like what the disciples thought was on the water. And Peter's there going, Lord, if, it's, if it is you, command me and I'll come onto the water. If I was that ghost, you know what I would have done? <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> it's me, Jesus, the one and only. Come, step out of the boat. Like that's, it just... That's something I would have done, you know, because I can be a real cat. And, uh, and I think, why would you say something like that, Peter? That just seems so dense to me. You know, and I'm going over this, and I'm going over this, and I'm going over this, and I realized something so amazingly profound in, in what was actually going on. There was no way Peter could have been fooled the moment Jesus spoke. There was no way that some counterfeit ghost or spirit could have said, it's me, you know, step out of the boat and actually convinced Peter to do it. It only could have been Jesus, bless you. And it, I think it simply comes down to this. Peter knew Jesus's style. One of Jesus's biggest teachings was, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That was central to much of his ministry. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Because if you love someone, you will want to do things for them. You know? And so Jesus, sorry, Peter, he knows what Jesus is like. And so you listen to his words. If it is you, command me. Like, there really was nothing else that Peter could have said. He said, if it is you, command me. Because he knows that Jesus is going to give him a command and it's going to sound like Jesus giving the command. And it's going to come from a heart of love. And so Jesus says, come. 
Like he commanded him to step out of the boat and walk towards him. And Peter loved him. He was more interested in being with Jesus than being in a boat in a storm. That, that just amazes me. And, and, and so we'll, we'll keep reading. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And, I mean, in relation to being things like busy or whatever you're addicted to, you know, like, so there's a storm going all around you and that's what you can see. And you think, logically speaking, because we're so logical, that the safest place to be in the storm is in the boat. But Jesus isn't in the boat. Not yet. He's actually out there on the water. And so, so often, here's how busyness gets to me. Here's what it does to me. And I've said this before. Okay, I'm tied down with a whole bunch of things that I've got to do. You know? So I've got to go and do them. Do I have time to read my Bible? No. Which is the biggest mistake. It's me trying to stay inside my boat and trying to keep control of this whole situation and remain on top of it because I'm allowing life to get in the way. But what doesn't seem to compute in my ridiculous head is that Jesus is the life, not what's going on around me. And the most important thing I can do is to get outside of my comfort zone, get outside of my my boat, my little safety bubble, and, and stop trying to be in control of all of these things and stop trying to answer all of these problems and be in charge of all of this stuff. And hey, i just got to spend some time with Jesus, even if it looks scary, and even if I think that it's all going to go wrong because I'm stepping out onto water right now. You know, that whatever your situation is, that's relevant to your situation. You know? The storm could be a circumstance in your life. It could be a bunch of circumstances. It could be your life over many years. Your life could be one big storm. And it's like, I, I'm used to staying inside my boat because this is what I see because there's water that's crashing all around me and I, ne- I need to stay here. I need to stay here because this is where I'm safe and this is where I'm in charge, you know? That wasn't Peter's answer. That wasn't Jesus's answer. Jesus could very well have said, buddy, I admire your passion. Please stay in the boat. You know? But he says, nah, nah. Do something crazy. I'm here. You can come to me. You know? That's incredible. But it relates to all of us. And with me, it relates to how busy I can get sometimes. My storm tends to be all the things, all the little pies that I have my dirty little fingers in that I've got to be involved in, you know? We tell ourselves that our control is better than submission to Jesus. And so often, I mean, Peter, Peter got out of the boat, and we've got to give him credit for that. We often say, oh, well, you know, he began to sink. We've got to give him credit for stepping outside the boat. I mean, that was, that was huge. We often, we, we, we've seen people or we have done it ourselves. We've started off really well, you know, and we've done it with the right intentions. We've done it because we love Jesus. And then sooner or later, we start to sink and we feel like we're drowning and we, we don't really know why, you know. 
So, I mean, why do we do that? Because it, it often happens before we realize. It's sort of like we can feel it coming, but we tend to ignore that feeling. We just ignore it and we say, no, no, I'm powering on for the Lord. You know? I'm doing it in the strength of the Almighty. Hallelujah. You know? And then all of a sudden, you know, you, just, you sit down and you have a snap. You'll either do it at someone or you'll just cut sick, you know, and you'll, I don't know, break a box and you'll say, what is going on? You know? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When we start off, it's easy to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because that's like, you've, you've just gotten that sort of, the vision. You've just gotten down, okay, this is why it happens. And then you're going on and it begins to feel like a grind. And you start to become aware of the things that are happening around you. See, the reason Peter noticed the wind was because he took his eyes off Jesus. And he saw what was happening apart from Jesus. It's like all of a sudden he just forgot he was walking on water. And he saw what was happening all around here when it actually had no bearing on him. And so if we're feeling like super tired, you know, and, and worn out because of the things that God has probably called us to do. It's probably because we've taken our eyes off Jesus and we're, we're looking at our circumstances, you know. And it's, it's all of a sudden wearing us out because now we're doing it in our own strength. Peter saw his understanding of the situation, so he lost faith. When we look at our situation according to our understanding, we're going to lose sight of Jesus and become subject to whatever our opinions concoct. And our opinions, if they're separate from Jesus, are not going to concoct anything good because where there is not love, there is fear. And perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Peter was aware of what punishment could be and so he became afraid and lost his faith in Jesus in that moment and then we feel like we're drowning in our situation Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt out of all the people on the boat, Jesus calls Peter the one of little faith. Like that seems like some audacity. He's the only one who got out of the boat. He's the only one who walked on the water. None of the other disciples were moving. I mean, the good news is, you know, when we're in that situation, we turn our eyes to Jesus, we say, okay, I realize now, I acknowledge I've lost the plot. You know, I've taken my eyes off you. I'm putting my eyes back on you. Help me out here. Jesus does that. He helps us, you know. But best practice is to not lose sight of why we're doing something in the first place. And the reason why we're doing something in the first place is because we love Jesus. That should be our sole motivation all the time. No matter what we're doing, you're going to spend time with someone. Because you love Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to love that person. You're never going to 
stop enjoying being with people if you love Jesus. Because the love that you feel for people is just going to overwhelm whatever frustrations that that person has to offer. If you love Jesus, then everything you do has worth. And so you're never going to get tired of doing things. I mean, you need to rest. See, the other part of the reason we get tired is because we violate our own Sabbath. We don't rest. We don't take a break. I've been very guilty of that. My Sabbath is generally supposed to be a Saturday or something like that because I, I do things throughout the week and I do things on Sunday as well. But then, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of taking up a Saturday where I go and visit people or, you know, do something like that. And then I wonder why I'm tired after a while. It's like, have I lost sight of Jesus? Well, I'm just going overboard. Kind of. I, I'm a little guilty of both taking my eyes of Jesus and violating the Sabbath. Both, you know, very, very potent mix. See, a balanced life is a God-honoring life. You can't slave away and expect really to honor God. He doesn't want you to slave away for him. He wants you to spend time with him. You need to know when to learn to rest and when to work. You need to know when to spend time with Jesus and spend time with Jesus when you work. And uh, you know, my big question, like, how do I love Jesus? I mean, I've sort of been talking this whole time about what happens when you don't love Jesus. I haven't actually answered the question. So, I mean, for all you married people in here, Gosh, the situations I put myself into. <laughs> We're not married. This doesn't apply. <laughs> Sometimes you have not felt the romance. Like, the romance stays for a while, and then it goes. That honeymoon period goes, you know? And sometimes it's like, gosh, you take me off, you know? Sometimes the romance goes, stop looking at me like that. Gosh, this is a human thing. This is not us. This isn't a reflection. Anyway, gosh, I'm nervous now. Anyway, when the romance is gone, all that's left is character and commitment. And sometimes if it even gets bad enough, all it takes is iron will and that's all you've got. No, I am going to love this person even though I don't feel like it. You make a commitment. But for some reason, we separate Jesus into a different box because like, you know, he's God and we're just people. And so we think that in a way we have to be different around him. And in a funny sort of way, we are right. But we shouldn't lose our commitment to Jesus. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not always going to be easy. The romance isn't always going to be there. There's going to be a lot of times where you don't have this amazing Holy Spirit encounter and you're basking in the glory of God and blah, 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 blah. That's not always going to happen. Sometimes you're not going to feel God there. It doesn't mean he's not there. And so it's like when those feelings come where, okay, I'm not feeling this anymore, it's like we lose our commitment. We can't do that. We've got to make the conscious I and will decision sometimes to just, no, nah, I'm going to keep following you, Jesus. No, I don't care if all of this stuff is getting to me right now. I'm going to go away and I'm going to spend some time with you. I know that's pressing but I need to spend some time with Jesus. Now, it's good to spend time with Jesus when you're doing things. 
But it's, you can't just live on that. You've also got to spend some time with Jesus when you're not doing things. Or put some time aside to go and do that. Come on, prioritize. We don't retreat and give up, or we can't. And in a marriage, we know we can't do that. But we tend to do it to God because we act as if God is different. As if we are not the bride of Christ. Another thing to do, just, just something really practical, I find, is to just read. I mean, reading the Word in general is brilliant. It is the Word of God. It reveals Jesus on every page. But also, just reading the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and putting yourself in the story. Like, I'm sure everyone in here knows the story of Jesus, and, you know, he died for me, and he rose again for me. But the thing is, if I'm not feeling like I love God, or if I'm feeling a little bit cold-hearted, or, or something like that, or if I'm worn out, then I probably need a refresher. You know? You can know about someone a lot, but spending time with someone helps. And so just, sometimes I like to just go back to the Gospels, and I just like to... Just read, and, and the people that interact with Jesus, I like to put myself in their shoes and think, when Jesus was saying these things, what was he trying to convey? And if I was that person, how would I feel? <laughs> and the amount of people that Jesus accepted when no one else did, I mean, that changed them. You try and put yourself in their shoes and you go, wow. And then, you know, and sometimes I like to put myself in Jesus' shoes. That was such a profound thing to say. Wow. Why, why would you say that? And, and you just sort of put yourself in Jesus' shoes and you try and think of what he was thinking of. And, I mean, when, when you make a habit of doing that, it just kind of, it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. When, when you connect with his heart, you don't get tired. It does things to you. You can hear about the story of Jesus as many times as you want. Come on, I grew up in Sunday school and I've still asked today, how do I love Jesus? Connect with his heart, understand it. It's, I would say, damn near impossible to not be in love with Jesus when, when you see his heart. A person that full of love, you, you just cannot resist it. And... Uh, and another thing, and for some years I just didn't enjoy this because I felt like if I didn't get some information of you from you, then our conversation was a waste of time because, gosh, I was only interested in knowledge. But just having fellowship with people and hearing their story with, with other Christians, it, it's just such a wonderful thing because when you hear someone's story and what Jesus has done in their life, it helps you to understand that it's possible for that to happen in your life. It helps you see that person more clearly, which also helps you to grow in your love for that person, which encourages fellowship. Yeah, and, and all that is really good, and God has called us to do that, but I'm just not talking about that tonight. But what it does to you is, is it inspires you, and it changes you. And you know what? On the other hand, it also reinvigorates the other person. Because they're sharing something from their life that happened. It could have happened, you know, recently or a year ago. It could have happened 10, 50 years ago. But when they tell that story, hey, this is what Jesus did in my life, even if it was all those years ago, you know, it, it just does something to that person as well. 
It's a faith builder. Hallelujah. And when I was little, I didn't like to move in worship. Right? I'd stand there like a Muppet. And I remember I was standing next to my dad one day, and dad went like this, and he was like really in the zone. And I was just so nervous about worship that I just copied exactly what he did. And I went like this, and then I'm like, the hell are you doing? And I walked out. I remember that. We were a driver. And yeah, like, like I, I, I just, I, I wouldn't do anything in worship because I didn't feel anything for God. I knew about God. I heard, heard the stories, you know. I even read my Bible as a kid. But I, I didn't really have that sort of emotion that I didn't have that heart that connected with God. Um, but like, like I, I can't help it now, you know. I just think worship is the best thing in the world. You know, when, if you love Jesus, you're going to put some expression into worshiping him. And so, we don't just read this to get knowledge, as, as Rod said this morning. You know, we read anything we wanted, but it, it, like if, if I read this to connect with the heart of God, if I read this to understand Jesus and, and realize just how much he loves me and... and and then I respond in turn by loving him. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship him. And you know what? Amazing things happen in worship too. Because I want to be there. I'm willing. You know, I'm giving God my all. Guess what? God's going to give me something too. He's going to give me his all. How does that compute with my mind? God giving me his all. So, can you stand with me? I, I, I want to pray, and then we'll then we'll finish up. Lord, we are so thankful that you love us, that you you came to this earth and 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 you proved in your character, you proved in the in the decisions you made, Father, everything you did. You just, you, you loved people everywhere you went. You changed people everywhere you went, not because you told them to conform to a set of rules, but because you accepted and loved them first, and then they wanted to change. Because your kindness leads us to repentance. Your love is what makes us want to obey you, because your love transforms us, and then we just can't help but love you back. You are so amazing. And Lord, every person here that feels like life has gotten on top of them, Jesus, when you are the way, the truth, and the life, I pray for a, a, a refreshing right now, but not just some God experience and then we go away and do the same things, Father, but that we would say, hey, I've got to change some things. I've got to make this a discipline. I've got to make this a lifestyle so that I'm worshiping God every single day. That whether I'm doing things or I'm resting or, you know, whatever I'm struggling with, I'm looking to Jesus in all things and that I recognize that the love of Jesus is greater than any love that the world has to offer. And that my eyes will never, ever turn from you. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. 
Father, we want to obey you, but we don't want to turn our obedience into a works-based mentality. We don't want to take our eyes off you. We want to move, Father, from strength to strength and glory to glory, not for our own fame, but for yours. We want to shine the light into the darkness. We want to preach the gospel. We want to bring healing to the brokenhearted, Christian and non-Christian alike. Brother and sister in Christ and Father, our family in the darkness who have not yet been called into the kingdom. We love you, Lord. And everything we do, Father, we don't want to do according to our opinions. We want to do it from a kingdom perspective. We want to do it with the mind of Christ. We wish to love you in all things. Everything we're doing, Father, we want to do it for the sake of honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. Reveal to us more and more what you think of us. Just what your heart for us is. Not just for us, but for our brothers and our sisters, Lord God. May your love flow through us. Changing us and changing other people. Bring transformation into our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you. All of these things, Father, are impossible without you leading first. Without, all of these things are impossible without your grace. Without Jesus Christ in redeeming action in everything we do. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Be blessed, everyone. Have a wonderful night. I hope you're encouraged.